spend some time with you uh, today. Uh, for those who maybe haven't watched before, my name is Mark, and uh, just grateful to have the chance to look at his word with you, hopefully encourage you. Uh, we always pray that Holy Spirit would be the one to speak to you. I'm just a regular guy, uh, just regular uh, regular words, but his word, uh, it's alive, and I'd encourage you to, to just, you know, just to simply say, God, what, what, what do you want to say to me uh, in this moment? Um, you know, I started, I was watching, uh, we watch this show with my kids, uh, usually on our family night. It's called The Daily Dose of Internet. And if you haven't seen it yet, it is this, this person gathers all of these cool clips from the internet and puts this thing together every uh, once a week or every few days. And uh, it's just like, it's crazy animals, just neat stuff. And so we've been going backwards from, uh, from now all the way back to whenever he started this thing. We're, we're, we're just got back to um, the, the December of 2019. And and uh, as we were watching it the other night, he ends the, the video by saying these words. He's like, hoping your 2020 is full of happiness and love. And I was like, he had no idea what was coming. <laughs> I thought, you know what? None of us had really any idea what was coming. I thought, you know, it's funny when I thought back to, to, to the beginning of 2020. What did we really think 2020 was going to have? You know, 2020 is like the, the, the perfect vision. You know, 2020 is it's like it's that cool number of a year. And, and I began to think, man, what, what did the beginning of 2020 look like? It feels so long ago. And, and I was thinking about our church and uh, uh, specifically, what did it look like? And, and I went back and I looked to see, well, what were we talking about at the beginning of 2020? And we were actually talking talking midway through the series um, on the armor of God. And I was reminded again, just as I was preparing for this, that we are in a spiritual battle right now. I don't know if you know that, but we, wherever you are right now, you are in a spiritual battle. Maybe like, oh, no, everything seems fine. <laughs> That's the, the, the time to know that you're in a spiritual battle. Paul wrote to the believers and he reminded them, saying, listen, put on the armor of God because you're going to need it. Remember we, we talked about that, you know, from now on, put that on. Well, this is why, you know, I wondered if our, if our church back in the day in 2020, I wondered if we maybe considered, and I was talking with somebody about this this week, I can't remember who it was, but if, you, if, you, if it was you, I, I give you credit. I just can't remember who it was. But we were talking about the idea of the church being like a cruise ship. And uh, sometimes we think of church as being like, oh, I want to find the church that just meets all my needs. You know, that's, that's going to... That's, that's just going to feed me all the food that I want to have. That's going to, you know, that's going to meet all my needs. Tell me the stuff that I just like to hear. Make me feel comfortable. Remember that word. You know, a lot of times we've looked at churches as like the one that's going to make me feel comfortable. That's where I'd like to go. And, and I wondered if we maybe should have looked at the church more like uh, an aircraft carrier. And it wasn't about being comfortable but it would be like this place where the planes would fly in to refuel. They'd get equipped. Then they'd get back out on the mission, uh, flying all over to the different places. And guess what? When you're on a mission, it's not always comfortable. I can tell you, not from experience, but from movies, that you know, when they're in the dogfight of their life, those men in those jets are not feeling very comfortable. You know, Paul told the new believers in Ephesians, put on the armor. Put on the armor of God. I don't, have you ever tried wearing armor? Have you ever tried wearing one of these suits of armor, that metal stuff? It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. And so I I wanted, you know, as I was thinking about that word, about comfortable, I I wondered, have we allowed ourselves to get comfortable with the new normal of church? With the new normal? Like, yeah, it it was a big shift and a big change, but now here we are online. It's actually me in the room right now with three people. The whole band left. But, you know, that idea of getting comfortable with what you're experiencing right now, online church, on demand, 
you know, what you want. You might say, well, I've had enough of this guy. I'm going to go find something else. You know, the church that I want, when I want it, where I want it. Um, But I wonder, if you're honest and you look deep down inside, could it be possible that many of you are starving to death spiritually, even though you have a, a, a smorgasbord of online church available? Is it possible? I know for some, I, I, it, it, you've, you've told me. For others, I, I can just see it. For some, we don't, you've disappeared off the radar. You're not even watching this as I talk about you not watching this. Because that's what happens. You know, could it be that comfortable church isn't actually what we need in order to survive in the new normal? I mean, when I just, you know, read like our local news and they're talking about the fact that, you know, we're going to have restrictions, count on restrictions till at least until the fall, that uh, there's going to be annual vaccinations after that. Like the new normal isn't going to be what was normal before. Will the, will the church be able to survive and thrive in that? And, you know, I'd be, the, the topic of, or the, the title of tonight is simply this, will history repeat itself? Will history repeat itself? You know, I wonder what we can learn from history, the history of the early church. You know, when the early church started, people who write about it now, actually secular authors who write about, you know, the, the, the Jesus-following church, the, the Christian church, they said statistically that thing never should have survived. Like, there's, there's no way where, where it started and what was against it. It, was, it had the Roman Empire against it on one side. It had the Jewish uh, religion of Judaism against it on the other. It was like, there's no way that it should have survived. But not only did it survive, it thrived. Like, when Jesus wasn't joking when he said, I'm going to build my church in the gates of hell, and nothing else is going to stand against it. And we know this as we look at Luke. Luke was a historian who was obsessed with getting the eyewitness accounts, and he wanted them reported in order. He's like, I want to give you, I want you to be able to know that you can trust my accounts and that I've done the, the history and the homework to figure it out. Well, Luke actually uh, wrote a journal uh, we have his letter called Luke, but we also have his travel journal that we know as the, the book of Acts. And it was part of it was his own eyewitness accounts and others was, was the, the accounts of the eyewitnesses he traveled with. And here's what he writes in Acts chapter 2. It's a little lengthy, but I, I just, just allow his word to, to speak to you. I've highlighted some things that, that jumped out to me, but maybe, maybe this is where you get to highlight your own things as Holy Spirit drops them in your heart. But here it is. Peter is preaching. He's, he's preaching uh, on the day of Pentecost, and he says to them, to the people who are surrounded, he's like, God raised Jesus from the dead. He says, and we are all witnesses, eyewitnesses of this. And here he's saying, we, we saw him risen from the dead. Verse 33, he says, now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us just as you see and hear today. And so he's saying to them, you guys are actually eyewitnesses of the fact that what Jesus said would happen, happened. Here they were all praying and speaking in other languages. People could understand it. And they were saying they're just extolling the praises of God. And they leaned in to listen and they wondered. And this is what Peter said to them. So, so that you see, here it is. Here's the proof. Verse 36, he says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain, know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. And it says Peter's words, as they heard it, it pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, verse 38, he says, each of you, which means each of you individually, each of you must repent of your sin 
change your mind about the way you've been living your life. He says, and turn to God. Turn away from sin and turn to God. And he says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You don't have to do all this other stuff. Just just get baptized and and trust in him and you'll be forgiven. And he says, it gets better. Then you, you as well will receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, this promise is to you. It's to your children. It's to those who are far away. To all of those who've been called by the Lord our God. It's almost like that thing of saying, it's, it's yours if you want it. It's yours if you want it. Verse 40, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. You know, and I, you just, the crooked is just this wayward generation. This, this um, generation that was, was hopeless or led to emptiness is, the, is kind of the connotation behind that. He's like, save yourself from this, this empty pursuit of life. He says, it's available to you. Normally, you know, like, this is normally where the stuff that we talk about at the end of the message, but I just want to start with it. Because maybe you're watching right now and you're not a Jesus follower. You're not a Christian. You, you know, somebody told you about this, so you tuned in to watch. And maybe it was for this moment right here. Can I tell you that this is what Christianity is all about? This is where Christianity started. It didn't start with Ten Commandments. It didn't start with, like, here's all the laws you need to keep. Here's God's rules about all of this, you know, things in life. That wasn't where Christianity started. It started with this message, that God raised a man from the dead. I don't know if you've seen that before. (laughs) I sure haven't. But these eyewitnesses saw Jesus crucified on a cross and three days later risen from the dead. They said that, you know, he has ultimate authority over everything, and that's obvious. If you can conquer death, you, you have authority over everything. And his words that he spoke were just cemented into, into the, the, the realms of truth as a result of the fact that this man rose from the dead. You can trust what he says. Why did he die? He died to pay a debt, to pay a sin debt, a, the, the cost, the price of sin that each of us owe for sin. That's what he came to pay for. It wasn't that we made some mistakes. It's that we were profoundly broken on the inside. And I think if any of us are honest, we look inside, we're like, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're broken. We, we don't even keep our own rules, let alone God's rules. Like, we let ourselves down and everyone else around us down at times in our life. We, like, we should have done this, and then we, we don't do it. We, we know there's, it's just, even the stuff we want to do, we find we can't. Why? Because there's something broken. There's a bent in us towards evil. And this is what he says. He says, you know, when we deserve judgment for, that, that, for the, those decisions, when we deserve punishment, it's like that God's kindness and compassion reached out to us to say, you know what, <laughs> this is going to hurt a lot, but I will send my son in your place. And you know, tonight, as you're listening to this, if this speaks to your heart like it did theirs, if you feel like, ah, oh, this pricks something on the inside of me, I know that because I had it happen to me. Had it happened to me, these men, had it happened to them, well, the same message is for them and for me is the same one for you. It's simply all that he's asking you to do is repent and say, you know, God, I've lived my life this way and it led to emptiness. I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to just live my life to try and please me. God, I got a lot of history back there. I got a lot of past. I don't feel good about it. I'm sure you don't feel good about it. But if you truly died on a cross to pay for it, then I simply trust that you can make me clean, that you can wash that all away, that you can forgive me. And by simply trusting him, in him, you will be forgiven. And I just ask, haven't you, haven't you discovered that, you know, as you go through life, just pursuing, you know, no matter how hard you try or what you try and get, it just, it always feels empty? Like, if you're honest with yourself, couldn't you, would, would you say that right now, like, it, it's just empty? 
and that all the other stuff you're trying to do is just to try and fill that emptiness? If that's you, he's calling you right now in this moment. And there is real hope. It seems like the world offers very little hope. They keep making promises that never never come to fruition. It's like, oh, here's some, here's some hope. And you get there, and it's like, oh, it's grasping at wind. It's just not there. But this is real hope. Real hope, it just simply requires us putting our trust in Jesus. And it's a hope that just doesn't, it's not even just for this planet. It is for eternity. And it is, it's, it's incredible. So maybe for you, it's just simply saying, God, I, I just believe. I simply trust. I don't know all the answers, but would you lead me? Would you lead me? I trust you. Would you lead me? He'll forgive you and lead you into a, into a completely different life by that same Holy Spirit that they had. You know, many of you watching, you're Jesus followers. And you're like, yeah, I've done that. That's, that's what my life was. And, and, my, and maybe you, like you um, or like me, you would say, my life's been changed as a result. So, uh, you know, as I think about this story with Peter, what happened to those people who said, yes, I'm, I'm in. I, I, what do we do, brothers? Yes, I'm in. Here, here's what happened. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it continues. It says, so Luke writes and says, those who believed, those, the ones who trusted what Peter said, they were baptized and they were added to the church, which is the word is gathering. They were added to the gathering of believers that day. There was about 3,000 of them just in one day. Verse 42, and all those believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and in prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, they met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those who were in need. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple every day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47, all the while, they're praising God, and they're joining in the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord's adding to their fellowship those who are being saved. If you hear that, man, it's like, it sounds like this was like a pretty great Pretty um, great bunch of people to be around. It was like the like the cool club. Like they're hanging out together. You know, they got these this huge concerts that they're they're going to. Backyard barbecues. Miracles are happening. Um, you know, the, the people at the table they're paying your bills. Everyone's happy with you. You know, in the group and outside of the group It's like no wonder people want to join this group every day. It was like the the place to be connected to. But Luke's journal is more than just two chapters. You know, that's the end of chapter 2, but there's more than two chapters. And the next 26 chapters tell the harrowing story of this group and what happens to them. Them being attacked, them being chased from town to town, literally being hunted down, beaten, fed to lions, burned alive. Like, man, we just want to go back to the barbecue. But not only did that gathering survive, it thrived. How did it thrive under such circumstances? And, you know, I think there's some things we can learn from that early group that affect the church of 2021 in Canada. We've talked about it many times, but I feel like now more than ever, now more than ever, this is of great importance. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we, we read it in there. I just want to slow that verse down a little bit and talk about it. It says this, Acts 2, 42 says this, all the believers, how many shouted out at home? How many? All, which means every single Jesus follower, not just the select few, not the ones who were on the stage, not like the, you know, the ones who've been believers for a long time, all of them. That meant like yesterday they weren't believers, today they're part of the 3,000 believers, and all of those believers did something. And they were believers. I mean, they, they were trusters in Jesus. They were Jesus followers. This wasn't like 
You know, I'm like, I'm just, yeah, I'm like a, a Christian, I think. Now, these people are like, no, no I, I put my trust in Christ, like you may have just done. It says, here's what they did, Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves. They chose this for themselves. They weren't coerced into it. They weren't forced into this. They did something. They chose to do something themselves. And what was it they chose? They chose this thing called devotion. Devotion. Devoted simply meant that they were steadfastly attentive to. They were adhering to something. They continued in something. So this is what they, this was all the believers said. This is what we are going to steadfastly commit our lives to. And what was it? Verse 42, the, the next part says, it's all the believers devoted themselves to this, the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. You know, the apostles, you're like, who are those guys? Those are the eyewitnesses. That's, that, that's Matthew. That's Peter. That's James. That's John. That's the guys who followed Jesus around for three years, saw all the stuff that he did. And uh, they would tell, here's the stories of what Jesus did. After he rose from the dead, they reminded people of, of his teachings. And people would be like, man, we just, we just got to go hear the apostles teach. I don't feel like my kids just use those terms all the time. We just gotta, Dad. We just, we just gotta. And I can just picture them like getting up in the in the morning, like, man, we we just gotta go hear the apostles, you know, tell those stories of, of who Jesus is. You know, as I read through the end of Luke's gospel this week in the Bible app, many of you are reading along with us. He came to Luke chapter 24, and some of the things just jumped off the page to me as I was reading them. In verse uh, 32 and 45, there's actually, there's these two people who are wa- walking home, and Jesus is speaking with them, but they don't know it's him. And what is he sharing with them? He's sharing scripture with them. And it says this, that after they recognized that it was Jesus, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? Like, when he was explaining the scripture to us, didn't, like as we heard the scriptures, didn't our hearts like just light up on fire based on what he was telling us? That was from Cleopas and his, his companion. And then as later, they ran back to Jerusalem and they're with all the apostles. And then Jesus shows up and it says this to him in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus opened their mind to understand. And I thought, man, when's the last time you had some good heartburn? You're like, there's no such thing as good heartburn. Unless it's this. But let me press you a little bit on this. When's the last time that your heart was like burning with the scripture that was inside there? The word of God was like, huh, this is like so, I have to tell somebody this. This is so amazing. I just got to get it, got to get it out. You know, it's, um, it's interesting that they had the chance to hear the apostles teaching. And I'm like, man, that is, how cool would that be? Just to be able to be around those men who had been around Jesus. But do you know that you actually have it better than they did? They'd actually have to wake up and go find an apostle and say, hey, can you tell me again that story about the, you know, the, the five feet and the 5,000? Can, can you tell us that? You know, they had to go find the teacher to do the teaching, but you have the teachings of the apostles in front of you every day, all the time. They're, they're written teaching, their letters, you have them in the thing that we call the New Testament. It says these people, they were devoted to these teachings. Like they, they committed their lives to it. And my question is, have we? Have we as the church committed our lives, like devoted our lives to knowing his word? And maybe you're like, yeah, well, you know, excuses come up. Ah, you know, I, uh, I just don't read good. And I was reminded of the Derek Zoolander school. You know, I like, I'd love to send a whole bunch of you to the Derek Zoolander school for, you know, for kids who can't read good and who want to learn to do other stuff good too. You know, I was like, if only this school existed. But the, but the truth is, you know, I was listening to Matt Chandler this week, and he just, he just simply called it out and simply said this. If you think that you can't read good or understand Scripture, he's like, that's a lie of the enemy that you have just chosen to believe. 
flat out, if you're a Jesus follower and you're like, oh, I don't understand scripture, so I, I don't even bother to try it. That is a lie that the enemy has, has told you that you've chosen to believe. And like we said in spiritual warfare, it's like, no, I'm going I'm to bring up and wield truth in these moments. You know, most of the early church, they couldn't read at all. They couldn't read at all. They were illiterate, but most of you can read. Most of you can read. I mean, you read other stuff, right? You read hockey stats. You read Facebook. You read memes. You read the news. You, you read everything else. The truth is, it's not that we can't read his word, but I believe the truth is that for many, it's that we just won't. And here's the early church. What do they do? They devoted themselves. Like, it doesn't matter if I can't read good. I'll go find somebody who can. I just need to hear the teaching. I need to hear his word. Hebrews 4 verse 12 just explains why it's so powerful. And, you know, they write that the word of God is alive. There's no, no regular book. It's alive and powerful. It's sharper than a sh- the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You know, I think a lot of times that's why, you know, we're like a little bit hesitant to read because it just guts us. It's like it it knows us because it's not just a book. It's the personal words of Jesus, personal words of the God of the universe. You know, Isaiah wrote about this and he just simply said that God would say, my word bears fruit and accomplishes what I want it to do. Like it it goes out and it it accomplishes things. Jesus talked about how the sower sows the word and and then it begins to grow in the hearts of men. They don't understand about how it works, but, but it does, it begins to grow. And so it's not meant to be just read like a novel or just, you know, I'm just reading it to get through it so I can say I did it. It's not meant to be studied so that you can pass a test to say, well, yep, I know all the answers. I, I, I know all those Bible stories. It wasn't meant to just simply so that you could know the word of God. It was actually written so that you would know the God of the word. Not just that you would know the word of God, but that you might know the God of the word. That this Christianity would be this relationship that you live in passionately with him. Simply saying, picking it up and saying, God, I want to know you. Would you help me to see Jesus on these pages? Would you help me to see, to know him through these pages? To prayerfully just simply allow his word to just touch your heart. To just slow down and say, God, would you reveal Jesus to me? And would you reveal in my heart what, what, what you desire to do there? And so I encourage you once again, would you begin to read? If you, if you haven't been reading, to read his word, to study it, to memorize it, to talk about it with other people. And maybe like, ah, where do I start? Start small. Maybe just get the uh, Jesus Storybook Bible or go back to the beginning of this video and watch Levi and Aaron as they, they, they go through the Jesus, uh, one of the chapters of the Jesus Storybook Bible. That The mission of that kid's Bible is that simply we would see Jesus on every page and it is a brilliant overview of Scripture. And maybe you're like, you know, I'm kind of past that. Well, join us on the Bible app. I, I, we had one gal, she just started, she just joined us this week. We're like a hundred and something pages in, but she's like, no, I want to join. It's never too late. Would send me a text and say, I want in on the Bible app reading, and we will, jo- we will add you with us, give you a chance to see what happens. Or maybe, you know, you're signing up for a precept study to simply say, I'm, I got to dig in deeper. I need to know this for myself. You know, the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, Paul, he, he commended them because what did they do? They, they searched the word daily to see if what they heard was true. It's like you hear me speaking of his word right now, but do you have it in you to say, I'm going to go and dig in for myself and find out if that guy's full of it or if, he's, if this is actually truth. Because it's the truth that you discover and the truth that you know that sets you free. It's not the truth I know that sets you free. It's the truth you know that sets you free. And this small group of people 
They, they, they began to just devote themselves to it. And speaking of small groups of people, I'd encourage you maybe to just join a small group that, that is intentional about discussing his word. You know, I know you're in small groups where it's like we talk about cows, you know, the farm crew or whatever. Maybe, you know, you talk about the kids. and what. But, but would you join a group that, uh, of people that simply talks about his word specifically? This is what they were. They are devoted to the apostles' teaching. Are you? Second, it says this in Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. We'll come back to the other one, but to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. You know, this one was the one that just grabbed me because as I was reading and studying this part again, I was just realizing that that word prayer, it means this conversation with God or prayer addressed to God, but it also means a place of prayer. A place of prayer. And, you know, in Acts chapter 3, you can read, you know, uh, 3 verse 1, Peter and John are going to the temple for that hour of prayer. It's at the 3 o'clock hour. It was the corporate time in a certain place where they would gather to pray. And, uh, you know, Jesus had said, like, when he's tossing the tables, he's like, this temple's meant to be a house of prayer for all men. The people would gather here to have conversation with the Lord. But Jesus didn't limit it to just one building. Because it wasn't just about corporate prayer in a building somewhere. He was like, there was times where Luke says he went off into the wilderness often just to pray, to be with his father. And you can find Luke 5, 16. You know, Paul would later write to the Thessalonians and they were going through some really tough stuff. And he wrote to them and said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop praying. I just highlighted it all because it was just that good. Never stop praying. Do you know where never stop praying begins? With start praying. <laughs> Never stop praying begins with start praying. And I just have to ask, you know, what about me? And what about you? How's your prayer life really? I had to ask myself that and begin to wonder, do I, what does my prayer life really consist of? It's been a great, it's been a great uh, introspection and just a great allowing uh, Holy Spirit to lead my life in this area. But how is it really? Maybe for you, it's your bedtime petitions. You know, that's where it is. Now I lay me down to sleep, you know, as a child. And then as an adult, you're just like, dear Lord, you know, you fall asleep. But, you know, for for some, maybe the prayer is like, yeah, I guess I pray when I need something. You know, like, hey, God, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I could really use a little help. Or, you know, so-and-so needs some healing. And so so I'm praying. And I'll get all my buddies involved, too. Hopefully, you know, if, if enough of us pray, maybe you'll do something this time. You know, or maybe it's mealtime prayer, where that's the only, kind of the only time you pray. And, and I, I remember, like, you know, meeting people who, um, they, this was their time of prayer, and it was like, you can't miss it. And so then you see a, a guy's at work, and he would drop his napkin on the floor every time he had to pray, because he didn't want to pray in front of all of his buddies. So he'd drop his napkin as he's bending down. He's like, thank you, God, for this little lunch. <clears throat> and if anybody's like, you know, what was that all about? Oh, oh, now I dropped my napkin, right? But Or, you know, the, in a group of people, they're like, well, let's have silent prayer. And so everybody closes their eyes. And every time, let's just be honest, like when I did silent prayer, I'd be like closing my eyes, be like, I wonder how long I have to keep my eyes closed to make it look like I was actually praying. And, uh, yeah, like, is it too long, too short? And then at the end, you just nod, like, yeah, that's, that sounds like amen, I think. And then you open your eyes to see if anybody else's eyes are open yet. I'm like, what is that? You know, maybe I'm, the, maybe I'm the only one, but I highly doubt it. Because that, that idea that we can't pray out loud in public says something. And I know, I'm, I know that that's a twist, that's a little bit of a thing, but I, I feel it's so important. And maybe the excuse comes up, oh, I don't like praying in public because I just don't know how to pray good. We have a school for that. 
And the truth is the same thing that Matt Chandler said about reading the word is the same about prayer. You know, it's just a lie that, from the enemy that you believe. As a Jesus follower, you know how to pray. You just believe a lie that you don't. How does it start? Hey, God, hey God I don't know how to pray. So if it, here's me trying. There's prayer. There's this thing of just simply, I'll be honest with him. I'll be honest with him. You know, I think maybe if you're like, you know, hey, I just don't, I just don't know where to go. I don't know how to start. Uh, maybe just join our, our prayer meetings here on Thursday nights. Uh, corporate prayer. We just get to be around other people and, 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 and learn to pray with others. Or maybe, you know, it's being in a, in a small group where you're just going to be like, these are people I know and I'm, I, I care about. And I know they care about me, so I'm going to pray with them. I have this group of young guys that I meet with. They're between 18 and 22. And they're coming to my house, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to encourage them to be, to be Jesus followers, you know. And a few, few months ago when uh, they, they were there, I was like, I was encouraging them about, about praying out loud. And, and uh, they, you know, they're kind of looking around. It's like, so I just at the end said, okay, you two are praying tonight, and you two are praying next week. And this is what their faces look like. It was, this, this was them. I'm like, oh, you know, it's like, what, what? And you know what? Just listening to them as they just simply said, okay, God, here we go. I haven't done this before. Man, I'm nervous about this. I thought the other two, I was like, if you two don't show up next week, you're not real men. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but this thing of just pushing that and saying, man, we got to learn how to pray with others. And maybe for you, it's like you're going to be calling somebody on the phone and just saying, hey, you know, after a conversation, hey, can, can, I, can I just pray with you? Like out loud, like right now on the phone. And if they say no and hang up, I would just say, just pray anyways, out loud. Why? Because it's, it's that thing of understanding, like, we need to get a whole lot better at this idea of praying together. And, you know, to be honest, I think our corporate prayer really, really uh, falls on, on what our private prayer is like. And my question for you is that I had to ask for myself is, do I have a place of prayer in my life? Is there a place for prayer and is there a place of prayer in my life? A place that's free from distraction. You know, I now, now I've just found that I'll sit in a, in a certain spot in my house, looking out the window, doors are closed, phones off, TV's off, not, there's no distraction. And simply, simply take a few deep breaths. Slow down, slow down. And for those of you who hear me talk, you're like, does he ever? <laughs> yep, in that place. You know, and you're like, well, what do I say next? There's all kinds of acronyms and apps and devotionals for how to pray. One's even called Acts. First, it's adore, then confess, then thank, and then supplication, which is just, they needed something to start with an S, but it basically means asking God for things. But, but I wonder, you know, have we just had taken moments to just, to just not ask him for stuff, but just to simply be with him? To just slow down and say, God, you just, I just want to be with you. Because you know, silence is, and we don't like silence very much. But I wonder sometimes if we're so busy, 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 like, oh, we want to hear from you, we want to hear from you, we want to hear from you, but we don't slow down enough to let him speak. You have that place. Because in, in the days we live in, it's so important for us to hear his voice from the inside leading and directing our lives. You're like, yeah, but I got all this stuff going on, or I got like, 11 kids. <laughs> There's good news for you. There's others who have done it before. I was reminded of Susanna Wesley. She's Charles and um, John Wesley's mom. She had 19 kids. 19 kids and one apron. That's all she needed. 
She'd sit down in her chair. She'd put the apron over her head, and the kids knew, don't bug mom. She's talking to Jesus. You don't want her talking to Jesus about you. <laughs> and she would, she would pray. She'd spend a few minutes every day just under that apron, finding that place. They were devoted to prayer as this early church. It was a regular part of their lives. And finally, when all the, verse 42, Acts 2, 42, all the believers devote themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And, you know, as I read through this, and I highlighted it earlier, the things, I don't know if you saw, they met together. They worshiped together. They met in homes together. They devoted themselves to being together. The community, which is this, this common unity around Christ. And I believe that that is what helped make their Bible study and their prayer that much more effective and beneficial. You know, we live in a time right now of, of just greater isolation than most of us have ever experienced in our lives. It's not just the past 15 months either. It's not, it's, it's nothing to do with COVID. It was happening well before that. You know, we, you know, we've in the last number of um, generations or decades, we've, we've been building bigger backyard fences. You know, like our, our backyards look like these, like, you know, places where <laughs> it, they're our little fortress. We don't want anybody in. It's our privacy fences and privacy screens. And, you know, it used to be, I don't know if you remember, like um, Wilson from um, Home Improvement. It was like, you know, you'd, you'd actually talk to your neighbor. Do we have that there? Yeah. Yeah. This guy, where it's like it's it's at the level you can just have a conversation over the fence, and for 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 years that we've been changing that, you know, we've shifted to Facebook and FaceTime rather than meeting face to face. You know, we've shifted to social media rather than to social gatherings, uh, and and we're so technologically connected, but we're actually less relationally connected as a result. I mean, these two are talking to each other on the phone. <laughs> you know, like that is that that is where our world has come to. And we're in it. And as a church, you know, I wonder that the more that we engage with the pseudo-connections, we see it in our culture, the more that we engage with the pseudo-connections, the more negative results we've actually witnessed. You can Google this if you'd like, but the rise in eating disorders is directly in line with the growing use of social media, especially in young women. You know, the suicide rates in teens is directly due to the, to the, uh, the rise, and it is, coincides with the, the um, arrival of the smartphone, and especially with the online bullying. You know, loneliness has risen to nearly 50% in North American studies of 18 to 20-year-olds. That means one out of every two in that age bracket is lonely when they're the most connected. You know, COVID, all of it did for us was reveal that, you know, all of this connection by screens, we thought it was so awesome. But then when that's all we had, we realized, wow, it's empty. Wow, it's empty. You know, I wondered if that's what's happening with the church as well, that we're just getting back to drawn into this place where it's just going to be about screens, that we're, we're maybe more connected. We can get out to all kinds of different, you know, teachers and preachers and stuff. But, but the, the opposite of growing is what's happening Rob Dreher wrote this in 2017. When the light in most people's lives comes from a glow of a laptop, a smartphone, or a TV screen, they are missing the fundamental light meant to shine forth in a human person through social interaction. Love can only come from that. Without real contact with other human persons, there is no love. We've never seen a dark age like this one. That was 2017. You know, I can see that same thing happening with the church. And that's why I say don't get comfortable with online church. There's a benefit and there's a place for it. But on its own, it's not enough. We were, as the church, we're never meant to do things solo. It, it, it is not the design of the church. And the next chance you have to be a part of a gathering, whether that's here with the 10-person groups or, you know, when things open up, do not get so used to like, oh, I just like watching in my jammies. It is not good for you. 
It is not good for you in and of itself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this in 1939. A Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain or discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. Is this this thought that you would be connected in each other's lives and pouring the word into each other's lives as brothers. Paul wrote to the Ephesians many, many years before that and encouraged them with these words, Ephesians 4.16, that Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. As each part does its own special part, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. You know, the interconnected group of people that, that, that grows because they're connected. That's what he's saying. Like, the idea of us being connected is why the church grows. It doesn't mean that the whole church has to gather at once in one building. That's not, that didn't even happen back then. There's no way Peter had 3,000 people over to his mother-in-law's house. Like that, that wasn't happening. They did meet in homes, though. And we found, we, they found ways you know, that, they were, that they would meet together. And my, my, my challenge and encouragement is, to you is this. Find safe ways to meet together because you're going to experience some things. You know what you'll experience? You'll, you'll, you're, stuff's going to drive you nuts. You know, when you gather, you're going to become very aware of other people's flaws and quirks real quick. You know, oh, that person's always late. You know, oh, their kids are the worst. That person's feet stink all the time. That kid says the word essentially way too much, whatever it might be. You know, then you'll begin to realize as you're there long enough, you'll begin to realize you have flaws as well. You know, and that you need grace to live in that kind of community that you need grace. It's so easy when you're just on your own. You don't need grace for anybody else. And most of us don't, don't end up showing it because that's how it works in our lives, that Jesus, the head of the church, it says he's full of grace and he's full of truth and, and that we, that's what we need. You know, the early church groups, man, like if you think your, your small group's got weird people in it, guess what? That's what they all had. You look at the, the, the early church groups, they were like a bunch of motley crews, you know, the disciples. Here's a fisherman, tax collector, patriot, traitor, previously demon-possessed woman, all asked to kind of get along with each other. If you haven't watched The Chosen yet, man, please go on YouTube and, and, and Google The Chosen and watch it. Just get a, get a picture of what it might have looked like to be in those shoes. It is brilliant. You know, I think of Paul's home group in Antioch where he had one guy from this place, one guy from this place. This one was a friend of Herod. This one they called the black man. It's got all kinds of these different characters, all forced to be like, hey, we got to get along and find out how we're going to get along. You know what? Each part doing its part. Each part doing its part. Church, can I just say this? Church is way more than listening to an online message. It is way more. And so here's the question. You've heard me do my part tonight, but what is your part? What has God gifted you to do well that you can use for his glory. You know, I encourage you, maybe, maybe for you it's playing an instrument. And in your small gathering of believers, you begin to play, blessing them. Maybe for you it's like your singer. Why don't you take the lead and say, hey, we're going to lead worship in our, in our small gathering of believers. Maybe it's speaking. You're like, you know what? <laughs> Mark might have something, but, I, but man, God's speaking to me. Or something. I want to share scripture with you. Or maybe you're great with kids and say, hey, you guys, you guys do this. I'm going to go hang out with kids and and encourage them in their faith. I mean, like, those all sound great. But like, but maybe you're like, Mark, but I, I don't know if those are mine. But maybe it's hosting. Maybe for you, like, man, I, just, I can create a great environment for us to just be at peace and, and, and experience Jesus in a real way. Maybe for you, it's gardening. I was talking with one guy. He's like, man, I'm planting this garden so that I can bless people with the fruits of, this, of, of my labor in the fall. I just want to be able to bless as many people as possible. You know, I was talking to another guy. He's like, at work? 
his, he just feels like, man, my, my gifting is right now is just simply sharing my story with the people that I work with. My story's not good. I'm in a tough spot right now, and they know it. But he's like, I just tell them, like, man, I, I've got Jesus carrying me through this. And they're like, you like God? He's like, yeah, man. And you know what? This is where I'm at. And it's opening doors. I don't know what it is, but, but man, you've been gifted, wired. You're, you're his masterpiece, one-of-a-kind type person for a reason. You're a part of the body, and the body needs to be connected to function as a body. They were, do- they were devoted to finding ways to be together for fellowship. But are we? Are we? Or have we simply allowed ourselves to get comfortable? Closing with this. Their devotion to those things during the good times when everybody liked them from everywhere else, <laughs> that's what prepared them for the tough times that they went through. You know, praying together in the temple actually prepared them for when they had to pray together in prison cells. You know, they, they, when they'd share the good news with each other in their small groups and with those, those smaller gatherings around, it's what prepared them to take that good news to the world when they were fleeing for their lives. You know, my, my, they, they were devoted to these things, but my question is, are we? Are we devoted to those same things? Are we devoted to being the church? Or have we allowed ourselves to become comfortable, to choose comfortable? Are we looking at, you know, what's the, where's the cruise ship church that's going to work for me? I'll just find a different online one. I don't like that that much. Or we're like, you know what? No way. I'm going to be a fighter jet on a mission for God. I, give me a place that's going to feed my soul and spirit. Give me a place that's going to equip me. Give me a place that's going to remind me to, honor, uh, to armor up. And, man, I'm going. I'm going to be on mission for him. Which one would you rather? Which one would you rather? You know, because I can tell you this. The early church survived and thrived for a reason. But my question is, will history repeat itself here in Canada? The, the church survived and thrived for a reason. Will history repeat itself? And you know what? Someday we'll find out. My question is, will you be a part of it? Will you be a part of it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, I'm just grateful, Father, that you created the church, that you put us together for a reason, that just like others need to hear this word tonight, I need them. I need what they, they bring to the table, what you've gifted them with. Father, I pray that you'd help us to hear your voice specifically on this topic tonight. That those who the enemy has lied to and said, oh, they, you've got no skills, you've got nothing. You, <laughs> that they would rise up and embrace the gifts that you put in their hearts and in their lives. Those who think they can't pray to you, believe that lie. God, I pray tonight that they would just speak with you those who haven't read or just feel like they can't understand your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just light up something for them even right now. that They might realize that, yeah, they can hear your voice when they take the time to slow down. God, thank you. Thank you for your purposes that we might shine bright in this time. Thank you that we may offer hope, love, joy to those in need of it. God, I pray that you'd help us to be your church, to be your church, that you would be glorified as a result. Ask all of this in your amazing name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're a little bit over, so we'll go through these questions pretty quick, but I'd love for you to take some time to, to answer these. Uh, if you're on your own, would you, would you call somebody and just say, hey, can we chat about the questions? Hey, were you watching tonight? Can we, can we chat? Because man, I think there's something 
powerful in those connections that doesn't happen otherwise. So here they are. Just number one, what jumped out at you from tonight's talk? What jumped out at you? What did you think? Oh, I got to think about my, oh, I don't know if I believe that. I got to go look that up. I'd love that if you would do that. Go, go, go do that. Uh, and then second, what has the word church meant to you in your life? When you hear the word church, what, did you, what, what, what do you think of? What, what do you think of? And then third, how can you be more devoted to the word, to prayer, and to fellowship today? Like, how, if saying, hey, this is, this is stirring in me that I need to be more devoted, how do I do that today? And then finally, what do you think your part is in his church? What has he gifted you to do? And maybe you think, uh, maybe, maybe you're thinking in the box of like, you know, what you can do on stage or in the building, but we're not meeting in the building, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. What has he gifted you to do, and how can you use that for his glory? Uh, I'm grateful for the chance to, to still be able to do this. And uh, man, just know that I'm praying for you, uh, Kingsway, uh, friends and family. If you're not local to here, that'd be my other encouragement that you just, sure, tune in here and listen, but find a local group of believers to, to grow with and to chat about. And uh, until we chat again, just know that I love you. And uh, to all the moms out there and to all the women, uh, man, you, you've been designed to do something that, that I as a man cannot do for the body of Christ. And so thank you for, thank you for being the ones who uh, help encourage us to grow. And so, uh, again, want to say thank you, and we will see you soon.